Our leader will now share for 20 to 25 minutes describing what it was like, what happened, and what it is like now. Our reader for tonight is Matt. Hello, everyone. Matt Behert. Hi. I'm, I'm Matt F. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater living in Eastern time. So if I seem a little sleepy, yes, I am. Um, I'm just setting a timer for myself so I have a, some sense of where things stand. So um, I am going to share this evening uh, what it was like, what happened, what it's like now. Um, I'm going to just start by asking God to help me choose my words or choose them for me or whatever, because I don't have anything written. Um, you know, it's it's funny uh, when we're not paying attention how the universe can conspire to line things up. So today may be the programmiest day of my last 554 days of being in program. Um, this is my second 30-minute lead of the day. I did another one at midday today, my time. Uh, I also moderated an hour-long, uh, not big book, but another book study and had a call with a sponsee. So it's, um, I am filled to the brim with program today. Um, so what it was like. Um, actually, let me qualify first. So uh, I'm not a 100-pounder in OA. I am a 100-pounder. Uh, I'm five foot eight. My top weight in 2003 was 380 pounds. Um, my weight this morning was 209.6 pounds. Um, in 2003, I had gastric bypass surgery and not the dainty laparoscopic kind that they do today. I was gutted like a fish. Um, they rerouted my small intestine. Um, so my relationship with food has been a little weird ever since. Um, but yeah, I've, I've lost, you know, 170 pounds, I guess, all told. Is that right? about yeah um and, and so after the gastric bypass my weight dropped from 380 down to about 235 and then it stabilized between 250 and 270 and that's where it remained so what it led me to that place was um that uh i was born a compulsive overeater um i'm about 18,121 days old today means I'll be 50 in January. You don't have to do the math. I did it already. Um, the, uh, and so if I was born 18,121 days ago, we'll say that I've been a compulsive reader. We'll give my 18,120 days. Um, I was, you know, a chubby baby. And then I'm sure I progressed through, like, you know, look at the rolls and roly-poly and, you know, chunk and chunk style. And then it was, like, chubby. And then it was husky. That was a size of clothing, um, which was later trumped by portly, which was also a size of clothing that I wound up wearing. Um, and you know, heavy and overweight and, uh, and really overweight and really heavy and obese and morbidly obese um, and just straight out flat, you know? And I can tell you that having, having the first name Matt and the last name, a last name that, um, my last name is Fisher. 
So you can imagine, like, I was called Fat Whaler and other really clever names a lot growing up. Um, that fat was the primary way that I identified. Um, the other primary way that I identified was smart. Um, I was always fat and smart, and um, I really leaned hard on the smart because I really didn't want people to pay attention to the fat because the smart could never solve the fat. Um, I relied on the smart to solve all kinds of problems in my life. But that was the one that every morning when I woke up, there it was. And every night when I went to bed, it was still there. And, uh, and I wanted to die every day. And, and, you know, it's funny to say that now because it's not like I was suicidal. I mean, there was a time in my life when I, I nearly killed myself, but it had nothing to do with my weight. Um, it's just when that kind of thing, when that kind of self-loathing is a fact of one's life, or at least for me, for my life, every day, minute in, minute out, every heartbeat, um, you know, it just fades to the background a lot. It was like, okay, well, I'm just going to get on with my life, even though I don't want there to be one, because that's what there is. Which, you know, might have been a life, but it wasn't really living. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that was what it was like. It sucked. Um, when I was 24 um, was the first time that I really sort of got involved in a relationship with someone and um, wound up marrying her when I was 25. And uh, I think on one level I was like, well, here's one that didn't, run away from me when like she saw me without my clothes on I guess I better marry her like I, you know who knows what if another one will ever come along so we were married and uh, we started bouncing around the country a lot as I you know relied on the smart to find job after job to try and expand our income to chase a lifestyle that wasn't really mine but was hers and had a child and bounced around the country some more and bounced to Malaysia for three and a half years. And, and you know, the whole time, um, even leading up to the gastric bypass, um, I couldn't, you know, the smart still couldn't fix the fat because that's how I saw it. I saw it as fat. Fat was the problem. Um, you know, as a child, I, I, I did the pay and weigh program I even did OA as a kid. I started Weight Watchers for kids. I did OA. I did OA as a kid. Um, I sort of vaguely remember coming home with a gray sheet. Um, I went to Weight Watchers camp because you know, my my weight was the bane of everyone's existence in my family, not just my own. So my grandmother pushed really hard for me to go to Weight Watchers camp, which was, I can tell you, a true delight. Um, if you were wondering if you'd ever like to pair liver and, and have it served green, the secret is you cut slits in the liver and you put in slices of okra. So. There you go. If you came away with nothing else, you, you had a wonderful recipe for green liver. So, um, you know, all these things happened and nothing ever really worked. And, you know, we didn't have a lot of money growing up. And I would go to Weight Watchers and my mom, you know, I would, we would pay the money and it didn't work. And it just made me feel terrible. So, of course, I had a snack because that's what I did when I felt terrible. So, um and then, you know, as an adult, I did like the UPenn Learn program and more Weight Watchers and more other stuff. Interestingly, never away again. 
Um, and it wasn't that I didn't believe in 12-step programs. I did. Um, but as you'll hear, not away. So that's what it was like. It wasn't awesome. Um, the marriage lasted functionally about 18 and a half years, legally 20, um, and then ended in 2016. So that brings us to um, last February. So here are things that were true last February. Um, I was 5'8", still. Uh, I weighed about 265 pounds. Um, I was, I had been in a relationship with someone in 12-step recovery in a different program for nearly three years. It was a good relationship, but much healthier and better than my marriage had been. Uh, in the unwinding of the marriage, I had to face how deeply miserable I'd been in many ways for a very long time. I know about that because, you know, one of the things I'm really good at is not facing my feelings um, with the help of food. Um, I had you know, bounced around the internet industry for a long time as sort of marketing and product person, but I eventually wound up in a job working at a very rich foundation, um, looking after programs that supported entrepreneurs, and that's relevant, and it will be in a moment. Um, I was living in Kansas City, Missouri. I was a devout agnostic. I was pretty sure that there was something greater than me in the universe, much more sure that if there was, it had nothing at all to do with me. I probably prayed five times in my life. I grew up with no religion at all. Um, and um, and so here's the, the, the kicker. Um, and this is a quote. I thought the way was bullshit. Um, I thought that, uh, and, and that's a quote from a conversation that I had with my then partner. Um, she asked me what I thought about Overeaters Anonymous. And I knew what step one was. We admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. I mean, my attitude was, if um, if you if you're anorexic or bulimic, or you like weigh so much you can't get out of bed or fit through a doorway, or you are a binge eater who literally is going to um, eat until you're going to burst something, fine. You're powerless over food. Your life is unmanageable. But if you're me, go after yourself. That was my attitude, said the guy who had gastric bypass surgery 17 years or, six, or 13 years earlier. So um, anyway, the way, the way all that comes together is on February 23rd of last year, I had taken my daughter who lived in Connecticut. Uh, I'd met her in South Carolina and taken her to visit my grandmother. And uh, there were high winds in the Midwest. Like there was a two day period last February when if you needed to fly across central time in the United States, you were completely screwed. And I did because I needed to fly back to Kansas City. So my daughter was fine. I put her on a plane back to Connecticut and then I started an unplanned and unwanted 17 hour drive. So the reason I had gone to South Carolina in the first place is for that job where I look for some programs that supported entrepreneurs. At some point in the prior year, I had, ha I had gotten a B in my bonnet. One of the programs that I oversaw um, during the interview process, everyone just raved about it. Oh, it's just so magical. And 
it was the way it was described on the website, it made me think that it was a networking meeting. And I am not a joiner. And I saw the description. I was like, oh my God, that sounds so dreadful. I hope I never have to go. And then everyone in the interviews was like, oh, it's just so magical. You'll love it. And I was like, oh my God, I can't wait. And inside I was like, please kill me. And, um, and I got the job and I went and I cried. And I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. This is, it, it was a fellowship meeting for entrepreneurs. I later learned it was modeled on uh, this meeting, this modeled on lead meetings. Um, so this program was amazing, but the way that we did it, it couldn't grow the way that I was like, this program needs to be available to every entrepreneur. Um, but it couldn't grow that way, the way that it operated. And so one day I just got a bee in my bonnet. It was like, you know, I don't think 12 step programs work like that. So I went to my partner and said, who decides when there's going to be like, where, why, how are all these OA, these AA meetings? Where do they come from? And she was like, what are you talking about? I was like, well, it's like a governing body. Is there like a marketing council that like looks and says like, ooh, a lot of drunks here, no meetings, let's have one. And she was like, no, you just need to, you know, the steps, the traditions, and the person in the place, and you can have a meeting. And if you're going to keep having meetings in the same place, you just call World Service and you're like, we're having a meeting. They put it on the website. And I was like, huh. So it's just rubric based. And she said, yeah. And I was like, all right, well, here's my idea. I think that should exist for entrepreneurs. What do you think? And she said, I think it's a great idea. And I was like, great. So what should I do now? And she said, you should read the big book. Now, I, she had the big book lying around. I had seen it even before we became involved. And I leafed through it. And what I knew about the big book was, A, it was aptly named. It was a big book. B, it was just unbelievably written in the 1930s. Um, and C, I really, really didn't want to read it. So I said, hmm, that's an interesting idea. What's second on that list? And she said, well, if you don't want to read the book, just like listen to a big book step study. There's a ton of them for free on YouTube. And I was like, oh, that's a much, I like that idea much better. Well, that take like an hour? And she said, more like six. Okay. So I had a list of things to listen to when I have time, and on that list went, listen to a big book step study. Now, cut to February 23rd. I'm about to start a 17-hour car, car trip, which I did not want to do. Go to my list of things to listen to when I have time. There's listen to a big book step study. Perfect. So I go to YouTube and I search big book step study, just four words. YouTube is owned by Google. And Google knows everything about me because I use Google for everything. So when YouTube hollered, it was like, hey, Google, uh, someone's looking for a big book step study. And Google said, who is it? And YouTube said, uh, Matt Fisher, do you know him? And Google was like, oh, I know him. And right at the top of my search results, not a, not an ad, like the, the, just the natural search results of stuff Google thought I would like and would be highly relevant to my life was, Laurie sees Overeaters Anonymous Big Book Step Study. Right, pop, number one. Nice. I work in the industry, so I knew exactly what had happened. And I was, so my first thought was like, that is not what I asked for Google. That is I'm very uncool. My second thought was, I'm not going to listen to that. I think Kalei is bullshit. My third thought was, you know, I should listen to that because I'm already in the tank for AA. I don't need to be convinced that's a good idea. If I can listen to this cockamamie nonsense and come away thinking like, oh, maybe this is not such a bad thing after all, then maybe my idea for entrepreneurs is a good idea. 
So I was like, all right, challenge accepted, Google. And I started listening to the, the Big Book Step study. Um, but which, by the way, is wonderful. And so if you... Um, if, if you're if you're ever looking for a big in a way big book step study, Larry sees big book step study on YouTube is truly wonderful. Um, so twenty twenty minutes in, I think, um, you know, I'm driving along and I'm listening, and, and he's relating the story of a story that I could not relate to in the least of how like it's the holidays and they had cooked a goose, and he loved goose fat, and he was in the kitchen. And he wound up with an entire fatty goose skin in his mouth all at once. And it was just dripping fat down his chin. And I remember driving and being like, oh, my God, this is disgusting. Like, what the, what, what kind of depraved craziness is this? And then he said, for me, there are some foods that once I start, I can't stop. And I can't stop from starting. And without even asking myself the question, my brain immediately rattled off like eight foods. Like was just like, oh sure, like Coca-Cola and really good bagels, not bad bagels, but really good ones and like good crusty French bread and pretty much all sweet baked goods and pasta and out. And like by the time it got there, I was like, wait, what? Like, what, what just happened? <laughs> and uh, I remember thinking like, oh F, I, I might be a compulsive overeater. <laughs> and, and so what happened was um, I wasn't like, I wasn't like, I mean, I, you'll hear people say in the rooms, you must be desperate. Um, you, you must be out of ideas. I wasn't desperate. I wasn't out of ideas. I, I was not looking for a solution to a problem. I did not think it was possible for me to have. I got jumped in a back alley by this program. I mean, I was completely unsuspecting and had no defense at all. And so my experience of the program was really weird because of that. So like that was a Saturday. And on Sunday, I finished the drive in listening to the Big Book Step study. And on Monday morning, I, all I know how to say it is I woke up as a person who just didn't eat those foods anymore. I didn't restrict them. I didn't like get rid of them. I didn't like, I just made a list and I just didn't eat them anymore. Like I, I, I was just a person who didn't do that. And I wish I could like figure out the why and how that happened because I'd share it because it was a great gift. But that was my experience of the program, especially early on. I didn't work this program. This program worked me. I didn't propel myself into and through the early part of this program on any kind of self-will. I got pulled through it. So I got abstinent right away. And, um, and I mentioned I'm not a joiner. And so the single greatest evidence of the existence of God might be that that Thursday, I actually got out of my house on the evening and went to a meeting um, in person. And I was off to the races. Uh, and so, so what it's like now is better. Um, you know, my, my experience last year is a really good example. So, so here's 2019 for me. In January, my then partner, who had been diagnosed with breast cancer earlier in the prior year, was declared cancer-free. Awesome. But the relationship wasn't going great. In February, unexpectedly, I find this program. Like, wow. That was kind of a big change. In March, the, the place, the foundation where I worked that I mentioned, implemented the strategy that I had recommended, which included eliminating my position because they didn't need me. And so I got laid off 
in April, um, I finished my sort of, I had a 30 day earnout period and decided that I wasn't for the first time in my career, I wasn't going to get another job. I was going to become a consultant, which was scary, but it was clearly the right thing for me to do at that time. The other thing that I think happened in that month was, um, I went from being a devout agnostic to being someone who prays every single morning to a higher power that I am 100% certain not only exists, but my vision of my version of my higher power is I take literally the phrase God is everything or God is nothing. And um, I choose everything and everything includes me. And that means that um, my higher power is the most perfect possible version of me. And um, for me, that's my higher power. And the reason that works for me is because if I'm part of God, and always have been. And everything that's ever happened in my life and ever does happen is exactly what was supposed to happen. So I don't need to have all these feelings about it. It's exactly what was supposed to happen. So that was April. May, my relationship ended the week of our third anniversary. And, you know, it didn't end badly, just had run its course. June, uh, my daughter graduated high school and started, uh, I dropped her off at orientation for college. July, I moved myself, um, you know, towing a trailer, two round trips between Kansas City and Chicago. August, I started my consulting business. And through all of that, all that change and all of that whatever, my hair was never on fire. Because every time the emotions cropped up, I was able to surrender them and, and stay recovered in my abstinence didn't waver. Um, so it's better today. And this morning I, I pray for you know quite a while. I have a sort of combination prayer and gratitude practice. And I don't want to call it affirmations, but like a recitation of just some stuff I've collected and stuff I've written that just sort of anchors and grounds my day in my conception of my higher power and, um, and the way that I work my program. And uh, I try and do an 11 step nightly review every day. I usually do it in the morning uh, for the day before. And um, and there are a variety of groups online and offline and on the phone and in person and there are in-person meetings that I participate in. And my life, I've never been happier in my entire life. And my weight this morning was 209 and a half pounds. So, you know, 55 pounds lower, 60 pounds lower than when I came into the program. And and I tell people that, who, who, so the ones who don't know me, I tell that, and they're like, oh my God, you must be so proud. I'm not proud, I'm bewildered. I have no idea how that happened. The ones who knew me before assume that, that I, like, quote, joined Overeaters Anonymous because I wanted to lose weight. That wasn't why. I joined Overeaters Anonymous because I realized in that car on that day that I was a freaking addict and I didn't want to live that way anymore. And this solves that problem for me. It doesn't make me not an addict. It just helps me live my life being an addict, but recovered. And once I started living my life that way, the weight just left. So the weight loss itself for me was effortless. But the more amazing thing than that to me is, I don't care. I don't give a shit about my weight anymore. 
There was a day in the fall when I was walking on the street in Chicago and I caught a glimpse of myself in a store window. And I realized that at some point in the not too distant past, I'd stopped thinking of myself as a fat person. And I was just a person. And uh, that's what I am today. I'm a recovered person. So, yeah, what it's like today is it's a lot better. And I'm very grateful for um, my higher power and for this program that I believe my higher power, or higher, my higher power God brought into this universe. And I'm grateful for the whatever dominoes were set up, however many thousands of years ago that led me to listen to that thing on that day and hear it at just the right time. That it just the words just fell into my ears like a key into a lock, and uh, set me on this path. And I'm grateful for the opportunity to share this tonight. I'm grateful for all of you for doing the service of listening to it. So uh, I will pass with that.